Hashtag SAFM Weekend View. And now, as always, you are cordially invited to engage with us this morning, and we'll be talking about gender. We'd love to hear your views, and and it's about your specific uh, experiences. I think everybody has different experiences. I think men who've worked with incredible women in business have a very different view from those who only experience women in very unequal roles. And uh, we'll be looking back at the past elections. Uh, we're, we're getting the quotas right. But, but tell us your personal view in your world. This is the question. In your world, are women and men equal? Should they be? Tell us your experiences, whether you're a woman or a man. Send us an SMS, 41391. You can call us, 089 The WhatsApp, uh, you can send us a voice note, 082-692-3909. 0826923909. We're on Facebook as well and Twitter, hashtag The Weekend View. You can tweet me personally as well at Francis Hurt. All right, let's take a look at the weather. Uh, one advisory, strong northwesterly winds expected in the western interior of the Northern Cape, the central Karoo and the Breda Valley in the Western Cape, as well as the western and northern interior of the Eastern Cape. So be careful there, uh, linked to a high fire danger. Now your temperatures, Pretoria fine, down to 8, up to 25. Uh, the expected UVB sunburn index high. Johannesburg peaking at 24, uh, Ferenichen as well. Um, Bombela also fine up to 26, Polokwane up to 25, Mahikien 25 as well, Freiburg 25 as well, Bloemfontein also fine, uh, all these areas fine down to 3 up to 24, Kimberley up to 27, Uppington fine becoming partly cloudy in the afternoon uh, down to 5 up to 28, Cape Town cloudy and windy with scattered showers and rain, uh, the wind strong northwesterly there down to 11 up to 15, the expected UVB sunburn index low. George fine becoming partly cloudy. The wind a light northerly becoming moderate southwesterly in the afternoon up to 21. Port Elizabeth fine. The wind a light easterly becoming moderate to fresh southwesterly in the evening up to 20. East London fine. The wind light and variable becoming a moderate northeasterly towards midday down to 10 up to 26. Durban up to 27, a fine with a moderate northerly to northeasterly wind. Uh, be careful, the UVB sunburn index very high in Durban. Richards Bay, fine, uh, the wind a moderate to fresh northerly to northeasterly up to 28. Peter Maritzburg, fine, up to 27 today. SAFM. All right, let's update you on the latest from Japan. On the final day of the G20 summit in Osaka, Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe outlined the declarations of leaders in the area of trade and investment, women empowerment, something we're talking about this morning, and the harnessing of technological innovation with a special focus on digitization. He said that Japan was prepared to do all that was possible to help resolve the existing trade challenges. Of course, this has been in the spotlight there at the G20. Abe was delivering his closing remarks at the summit in Osaka. Naledi Ngobo reports. 
Prime Minister Abe said that leaders were able to reaffirm the fundamental principles of free trade during the G20 bilateral engagements. Abe said that leaders agreed on the need for reform of the World Trade Organization to better deal with the fast-moving pace of digital technology. Speaking through his interpreter, this is what Abe had to say. On the question of uh, trade, the, uh, some people are worried that the post-war free trading system is wobbling. So in this context, uh, we must solidly establish the principle which will lead the world economy going forward. At this summit, uh, free, fair, non-discriminatory and open market level playing field, these are the fundamental principles supporting free trading system. President Cyril Ramaphosa invited Japanese investors to South Africa for the second investment summit, which he announced would take place from the 5th to the 7th of November 2019. He encouraged Japanese business leaders to increase investment in South Africa. Ramaphosa was addressing a Japan-South Africa business forum on the sidelines of the summit. We will hold another investment conference, and it is this that we would also like to attract you to from the 5th to the 7th of November. We will hold a second investment conference and we will also take the opportunity to report on the pipeline of investments to date and provide a platform for would-be investors, those who would like to invest, to come and invest in our country. Executive Director of UN Women, Pumzile Mlambonuka, said that women still bear the brunt of unpaid care work, which prevents them from participating in the paid economy. She said that the unavailability of affordable childcare is a barrier to progress and financially rewarding economic participation for women. The burden of care, which uh, is carried by women in most countries and in, in, in most economies. Uh, in fact, this remains one of one of the biggest barriers for women's economic participation across the world. This is why now the IMF, the World Bank, and economic institutions have regarded this uh, as one of the most significant macroeconomic issues that needs attention. Prime Minister Abe said that leaders discussed countermeasures against ocean plastic litter. I'm Naledi Ngobo in Osaka, Japan. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide, leading the conversation. Gender in the spotlight this morning. South Africa broke new ground in the recent elections in terms of gender representation. But GenderLink says President Cyril Ramaphosa missed a golden opportunity to appoint a female vice president. Those are some of the findings of the GenderLink's gender audit of the 2019 polls. It was launched at the Voice and Choice Summit held in Johannesburg this past week in Benoni in Gauteng. For more on this, we're joined on the line by advisor to Gender Links, uh, Kubi Rama. Uh, Kubi, thanks for joining us this, this morning. Just uh, first start by outlining, uh, telling us a, a little bit more about those findings around the recent polls. Maybe we are with the aim is obviously to reach 50-50 in all levels of decision making. But the 50% is elusive. Uh, in South Africa, as you saw from the report, uh, we reached 46 uh, but I think that 46%, while quite high, uh, is tempered with a few findings that are quite concerning. Like, for example, that 
only two of the nine premiers of women. And uh, the ANC then announced that it would have this formula where if there was a female premier, there'd be 50% in the provincial legislature, and if there was a male, 60%. That was not meant by mm. and large. Uh, so I think the the issue is beyond the numbers as well. What is happening around advancing women's rights and gender equality? It's not just about the numbers. Let, what is let's, the program? Yeah, let, mm. let, let's crunch the numbers. Just just clarify something quickly because uh, there there was this um, uh, big hoo-ha about 50% in cabinet, which is important, although then some dispute because if you actually count the president and his deputy, uh, David Mabuza, we're, we're not there. Is that important? Mm-mm. It's very important. I think if you do count the president and the deputy, then we're not 50-50. Uh, but beyond that, it's, I think then deputy ministers, we have 46. So there's this lack of consistency when you go through how these decisions were made and the representation at different levels. The NCOP falls substantially short of 50%. Mm-hmm. So one has to ask the question, you know, uh, the ANC has, a voluntary quota in place of 50-50 in a zebra system. But it has not been implemented effectively across all areas. Could be like many women, I've come around to quotas, not because you need tokenism, but sometimes you need to change uh, structural issues. It's not about the effectiveness of women always, uh, but the fact that men aren't always used to appointing them. Just just tell us, for those people who don't uh, buy into this, what is the rationale for pushing quotas like 50-50? I think you've said, you've highlighted the most important thing. And that is that it should not be the decision of anyone. You know, men should not have the power to make these decisions. A legislative quota would guarantee fairness and equality. And then, because you have, for example, the DA who's saying um, they don't believe in quotas, you know, the best people will be put forward. So why are the best people always men? Mm. What makes them the best people? What is the criteria? You know, uh, we need to understand how these things work. So it, it should not be a decision being made by somebody. It should be the principle that we subscribe to. Mm. So even though the ANC and the EFF, for example, have the principle, they don't always live up to it. So legislative quota will mean that it's nobody's decision. It's just a fact as a principle. Mm. And, and there's nothing wrong with uh, implementing a principle on fairness and equality. And, and you're saying it's not only the, the quotas, but the type of positions. You're disappointed about no female vice president. In the end, it seems like a political choice was made. How important would that symbolism have been um, of, of Ramaphosa being flanked by an effective woman? Because I think what it boils down to is that, again, it's not about a shortage of qualified care leaders. David Mabuza, for example, uh, you know, there are a few issues around the deputy president. He's mired in controversy for various reasons. Uh, there were very good candidates that the president had 
at his disposal. And again, it's about, you know, there being somebody is making a decision. Um, so it, it wasn't even about symbolism. It was about, you know, it, it is time now to say we have a male president in the interest of fairness. We should have had a female deputy. And if it had been different, then, you know, there should have been a female president and a male deputy because it's not that we don't have competent, extremely competent people people to fill those positions. Uh, around the actual positions, you also just looked at media coverage, and, and this was sad for me. I hope we weren't part of this. Um, but, but a decline in female sources in the media. Just, just tell us more about that. Well, Media Monitoring Africa conducted monitoring during the election period. From, um, they did it in uh, March, April, May, and 10,000 news items. And unfortunately... It is possibly the worst result of all, where 20% of news sources in that period were women. And another very striking finding was that only 14% were citizens. Elections are about citizens. And only 14% of the voices we heard in that time were actually citizens. Yeah. And, and, I mean, beyond that, you're talking about commentators, I, I presume. Is, is this important because they're, they're swaying opinion, I guess? Well, it's not just commentators. I mean, 20% of the voices we heard for the, in 10,000 news items were women, which means 80% were men. And what that means is you have political parties with quotas in place with almost 50% women on their list. So what's the excuse? Mm. You have women sources. You know, it's not that they aren't available. All right. Um, Kobe, we're mm. running out of time. Tell us about the summit that was held. Uh, was this sort of gender-minded people talking to other gender-minded people? How do you make it much wider? What's next? Well, the summit, that Voice and Choice Summit, basically recognizes the need to ensure that all spheres of government, civil society organizations, are working towards creating spaces for women and men across SADC and in South Africa to be able to speak, to be able to articulate what it is they're thinking and what they need, and more importantly, then to make choices that changes their lives. So over the, on Thursday and Friday, we had uh, 65 good practices on gender from across various thematic areas, including young people who are doing things to change the world. It was fantastic. Uh, we had, you know, the most amazing examples of people doing work with very little resources, but making quite substantial impact. And this included local government. Right. I think it wasn't about like-minded people speaking to each other, but talking to each other about what is possible. All right. Kubi Rama, uh, advisor to Gender Links, thank you very much for your time this morning. And our topic is about chin, uh, gender. Please tweet me at Francis Hurd, F-R-A-N-C-I-S-H-E-R-D. We continue to discuss that. Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk.
Now, this week, uh, political parties in Parliament debated the State of the Nation address and uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa gave his response. The National Assembly also elected the House chairperson and approved members who will represent uh, institutions and key structures. Lulama Matia has more. The debate provided political parties with an opportunity to go deeper, analyzing President Ramaphosa's speech. The opposition accused the president of lacking details to implement his vision, while the ANC dismissed the allegations that the speech was low on tangible solutions to grow the economy. ANC Chief Whip Pemi Majodina elaborates. There is no revolution without a dream. Any revolution without a dream is a dead revolution. And therefore, the president has outlined more than 21 concrete plans on how to take South Africa forward. You may revisit your own State of the Nation document. President was very specific on how to grow economy. According to the DA, the speech lacked a clear plan on how government will eradicate various social ills facing the country. Party leader Mosi Maimane explains. All the president wanted to give us on Thursday is a faster horse. We need a plan and we need one now urgently towards a South Africa of a future. And this plan must respond to these three challenges, Mr. President. It must respond to what we're going to do around climate, what are we going to do around technology, and what are we going to do around disease management. So we must ask ourselves these simple questions. What kind of South Africa do we want our children to inherit? What kind of skills do we need to help them with to step into the future? And can we make sure our population and our cities are resilient? EFF leader Julius Malema said the speech did not inspire confidence, especially in relation to the land issue. We must therefore warn you that if you do not expropriate land without compensation and return it to its rightful owners, the democratic projects remains in a permanent threat. Our people are going to engage in an unled revolution because they will be fighting for what rightfully belongs to them. We said here in warning the ANC that we cannot use the land question to encourage people to vote for us. It is an emotive issue And when we speak about it, we must be meaning it. The president defended his speech in which he outlined his dream and vision for South Africa. In his reply, he reminded MPs that dreams become a reality. He likened their criticism to that which was leveled against the proponents of the Freedom Charter. Now this is precisely what happened with the Freedom Charter, whose anniversary we should note today. There were those who initially ridiculed and dismissed it, and then they opposed it and went beyond opposing it and arrested hundreds of people because they dared to dream. They dared to dream about a South Africa that was different from the South Africa that they lived in. Now it is the vision of the Freedom Charter that underpins our Constitution today. It is the vision that informs the National Development Plan and our vision towards 2030. ANC MP Cedric Frolik was elected House Chairperson despite objections from some opposition parties. 
some of the opposition parties felt that it had been a tradition until the fifth parliament to give the position to the opposition. Others argued that the ANC must be allowed to take these positions because it has won an election. DA Chief Whip Johnston Hayson says the fact that Frolic was named during testimony at the Zondo Commission of Inquiry raises questions. That given the events of Basasa, given the unanswered questions that remain, that in the interests of the House, it would be better to have a presiding officer who didn't have these questions hanging over their head. And that is why the impeccable Anli Lautrit, Honourable Lautrit, who has a very proud record of service in this parliament. The National Assembly has approved six members to serve on the Judicial Service Commission. They are Speaker Tandimo Dise, two other ANC MPs, Gratitude Magwanishe and Fusumzi Taba, DAMP Glenis Breitenbach, EFF leader Julius Malema, and IFP Chief Whip Narend Singh, Lulama Maitya in Parliament. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 104.9 FM in Port Shepston. So one of the things that interests me is that many women out there in the United States voted for President Donald Trump. Uh, and, and we'd love to engage with you this morning around gender. So everyone has different experiences uh, based on the men and women they engage with, uh, the way they, they're brought up. We're, we're asking about your specific world. In it, are men and women equal? And if you're brave enough, you can tell us whether or not you think they should be. Uh, Tell us your experiences and we'd love your uh, engagement, whether you're male or female. So the SMS number, a reminder, 41391. You can also call us 089-110-4208. 089-110-4208 or send us a WhatsApp or a voice note 0826923909 and uh, The Weekend View on Facebook as well on Twitter, hashtag The Weekend View and you can tweet me as well at Francis Heard at F-R-A-N-C-I-S-H-E-R-D Now, uh, welcome to another edition of Unedited. So as usual, on a Sunday, we engage our editors on the top stories of the week that was, and we look ahead. On the editors today, we have Deputy Editor at The Citizen, Brendan Seary, and columnist for Sunday Paper Report and Cape Town Daily, Die Burgers, Heinrich Weinhardt. All right, so another... Crazy busy uh, week on the news front. We had the president uh, replying uh, to critics of his State of the Nation address. Some say his head is in the clouds. He's dreaming too much. Of course, uh, the case Nomobo Jiba uh, saying she'll continue to battle the former deputy head of the National Prosecuting Authority. Greasy apologizing again uh, for referring to black people using the K word. And that's not even the municipalities, uh, a drop in the ocean, 18 of more than 250 getting a clean audit. Brendan, can we start with you? What stood out for you this week? I think the really, the, the story which has the most um, ominous implications for us as a country was the Auditor General's quite shocking report on municipalities because um, Kimi McQuarrie has been at it now for going on seven years. 
And in that time, things have actually got worse. So between last year and this year, the number of municipalities getting clean audits has gone down from 33 out of 278 um, to just 18. Um, And that's really, really worrying in terms of the wastage of money, the corruption, the looting, and also the fact that because of that, you've got a lot of very angry uh, communities. And it was just interesting that this week... um, um, somewhere off the N12, a community was protesting, and people would have seen the video of the protesters hijacking an excavator and actually just ripping up large chunks of of a, of a main road. Yeah. And I think that um, is is really worrying because it, it it doesn't seem to be getting any better. So, so how do you approach a story like that uh, very quickly? Of course, you can look at reasons for the deterioration in these ordered outcomes. Um, some, some people juxtaposing the, the president dreaming about building new cities uh, when, when we just can't do the finances in, in the municipalities that exist. Exactly. I think, look, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with um, offering people a vision of a possible future. But I think um, the way the president did it um, left it open to misinterpretation. And people, you know, jumped on the, the bandwagon saying you want a dream city, a smart city, and you want bullet trains. So, um, wake up, people, are, kids are still drowning in, in pits of chains. So I think the way he did it was probably not the not the, the way it should have been done. It's not wrong to have that sort of a dream and to, to believe in ourselves as a country, but we really seriously need to start looking now at how to address these problems. Um, and for the AG himself to, he was very frustrated because um, it looks like you know he's not doing his job, but it's very difficult because his people on the ground were getting intimidated and it's very difficult to get proper information from the municipality. Mm. All right, Heinrich, uh, what stood out for you? Uh, Francis, I agree with Brandon that you covered most of the important stories. I would, however, like to add, one, the fact that President Ramaphosa has now responded to the public protector. And then secondly, the fantastic news that the president of the alleged state capture club, Jacob Zuma, will be appearing in front of the Zondo Commission mid-July. So I would add those two. And if you don't mind, I would also like to, to mention, I shouldn't be laughing, um, mention the fact that um, this past week, it's been 10 years since the passing of Michael Jackson. I remain one of his biggest fans. So so, um, so bear with me that I, I thought I should include that amongst all the heavy political um, stories that we cover. Uh, out of interest, have you seen the documentary where his uh, accusers, now adults, come forward? Uh, I have, but you know that the guy's not a large, so he can't defend himself any longer. So so I find it quite curious that those stories are only coming out now. So you mentioned Jacob Zuma. I mean, what, what do you do with that? So he's appearing at the Zondo Commission, but not necessarily testifying, going to take to, to the stand. He's, he's just appearing. How have you approached that? Well, the, 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 I think the, the important fact is that he will make an appearance at this commission. Whether he will be represented by his legal uh, representatives, that's fine. They still, they still don't speak on his behalf. Um, he, uh, like with his court cases into um, the accusations of fraud against him, he's always said he wanted his day in court. Um, he is, incidentally, the president who instituted this commission. Whether he liked the idea of having had to do that or not, the fact is, 
there is this commission, and he has been central in most of what has been said, particularly pertaining to the Gupta family at the commission. So it is only right that he gets an opportunity to put his version um, um, forth, whether he speaks himself or not. Um, I think, um, even if it's just symbolically, but I almost want to call him accused number one in inverted commas, should make an appearance at the commission. The fact that it's happening, to me, is very good news. Um, and then, obviously, the commission can force him to open his mouth at the commission, if, if you like. So, so I don't think he has the right to go there and say, I'm not going to speak. Um, if the commission subpoenas him, he has to speak or he has to be represented by a legal representative who speaks on his behalf. Uh, Brendan, maybe you can comment on, on one of those stories, possibly uh, former President Jacob Zuma appearing. And, and I guess I always watch out to see uh, what sort of support he gets. Sometimes he, he's using these uh, appearances to appeal to supporters, and, and we're seeing that's part of the friction within the ANC. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, you know, I, I agree with Henry. It's great to see him in before the Zondo Commission, but um, we've seen this movie before, um, and it doesn't have an ending, does it? I mean, it just keeps on going on and on, you know, son of Zuma. And it just, so uh, even if he's before the Zondo Commission, he's going to wriggle and pay for time, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the, the interesting thing for me about all of these developments is that, um, and I'd just like to contrast it with more of a good news story, is that, in South Africa, we become so cynical and so used to being disappointed that, and we don't expect anything to happen to Jacobs. And if you show me one ordinary South African that thinks that this man is ever going to end up behind bars, I, I don't see it. Nobody else can see it. Mm. So, what was interesting for me, just as a contrast for this, especially in the light of the municipal uh, mess which was revealed by the AG this week, was uh, you know we live in Joburg, so we were we had a 54-hour water stoppage because they were repairing um, a pipe with a valve and this was rand water and of course everyone went oh my goodness and it went off absolutely perfectly well and everyone um, was kept up up to date with what was happening by rand water's really good communication strategy and plan and it just showed us that um, you know not everything is a disaster and that there's still areas where we can deliver a world-class um, service. Um, so we really often um, are our own, own worst enemies, and we, yeah. um, we, we we do tend to be pessimistic. But for me, that was just one of the great stories of this week. Mm-hmm. We don't often see them in newspapers, yeah. and maybe we also can be accused of looking for the bad. But to be honest, it's it's um, it's really heartening to see, you know, it's them doing their job, but we so seldom see any... Uh, municipal quasi-government organisation doing its job 100%. But when it happens, we're stunned. And, it, you know, we we acknowledge that for them this week. It's, you know, a great job. Well done. So glad you raised that. Yes, there were, were reports of an, a shutdown and a lot of the body corporate sending out notices. Uh, we were also happy that the, the water continued coming out our taps. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but the bad news, do, do we focus too much on it? Bad news sells. It does. I think, um, you know, people moan at us all the time. But, you know, every now and again, it's nice to to be reminded. I think the thing about this country is that it will depress you unbelievably. But then one day it will turn around and absolutely stun and surprise you by, by things that happen. It's not just around water there. It was an amazing, you know, the, the global choir that did well. 
um, and had Simon Cowell almost in tears. That's a great story. It just reminds us that we are able to do things above and beyond. Mm. And I think we do tend to forget about that. And we get a, we grow a really cynical skin around ourselves as ordinary people. Agreed. Um, Heinrich, let's let's go back to one of the stories that you raised, uh, the, the Basasa issue involving the president, him now replying. Um, this has been another media debate. Uh, you know, is this is this president the media's darling? Are they are they giving him the due uh, critique and scrutiny where required? Uh, what do you think about how the press has handled this? Francis, my view is that the media is not critical enough um, when it comes to Cyril Ramaphosa. Of course, after what we've um, experienced over nine years with Jacob Zuma in charge. We all just want that good news that that Brandon referred to. We just want things to work. We just want things to be different. But we cannot, as media practitioners, forget that we still have a role, a watchdog role, even when it comes to our darlings in in politics or in government. So here is a question that I have not seen anyone asking pertaining to Ramaphosa and his public protected trouble. So it's okay to to um, discredit her. It's okay to refer to the court having found against some of her findings. That's fine, and that's how it should be, that when there's a, a strange finding by the public protector, um, or when she um, a, a sort of um, step, oversteps the line when it comes to her mandate, it should be pointed out in the way that Professor Pierre de Foss did this past week when he said she has no authority to um, to look at uh, money laundering, for instance, if there's any evidence of that kind of thing happening. That should be left to the walks and to the police. Perfectly fine. But I haven't seen anyone asking this question. How did Cyril Matamela Ramaphosa end up in this trouble that he's now experiencing with the public protector? Let me tell you what my answer to the question is. It has everything to do with lobbying at ANC conferences and prior to ANC conferences when there's a leadership battle, as we've seen since, I think, 2007 in Polokwane. So what happens in the run-up to the conference and at conference, people are, people are lobbied, and the lobbying happens in a way that should get you into trouble. It happens in the form of some leaders opening the boot of their cart, and there are stashes of, of cash, as has been reported since Polokwane. Mm. It happens in the form of delegates being given upgraded accommodation during the conference, even though the agency already paid for, let's say, a yeah. lower standard of accommodation. It also happens in the form of so-called stipends handed out to delegates to ensure that when they vote at conference, they will vote for the right candidate. <laughs> That's how Cyril Ramaphosa yeah. ended up in this trouble. And we should not forget that. It's not just the so-called Zuma camp who did that. It was also the Ramaphosa camp. For Dr. James Motlachi now to tell us that the president really didn't know that we were asking money to support this campaign. Why do you need 500,000 rand if you're going to participate in a leadership contest at a political party's conference? Why do you need, if that figure in the Sunday Times is correct, 400 million rand for that kind of battle? The answer should be clear to all of us. Well, let's start looking at the, the week to come. Do you think this particular story has many more uh, legs? And, and what else are you looking at? I think it, it does, and I agree with my nurse. I think that um, we in the media, <clears throat> particularly more commentators um, than other people, I mean, our, 
our point of view so far, we've managed to annoy everybody in the last year. So it means we're doing a reasonable job and we don't take sides. But I think that there are certainly, there's a certain mindset um, in, 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 in journalism that takes place where if a person has a, a bad public image, then you don't have to apply all the other rules to them. So we've got yeah. a, um, a sort of little gallery of a rogues gallery, like, for example, mm-hmm. uh, the public protector, Jacob Zuma, Cello Corpo, the Guptas, all of those, Robert Mugabe, all of those kind of people. Somehow um, I've seen stories written about all of them which don't actually follow the rules of journalism. Um, and that's also not right because I think the point Mm, good point. Um, about what's happening with the president and the 500,000 rand is that he has, to, he has to explain. And I don't really know whether that's been handled, um, certainly not to my satisfaction. And I think these are questions which um, need to be answered. Um, and I think much as we could question what the public protector has done on other cases, let's see what she comes up with. And then after that, we can comment. But I think there's, there definitely was in a lot of sections of the media, particularly the commentators, you know, like Peter Bruce, for example, he said, vote for Ramaphosa because you keep the EFF out. Um, and this Ramaphoria is not good for anybody either because there are no saints in this country. There are no absolute saints, there are no absolute sinners. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody is somewhere between the middle. And I do think it's a bit worrying when we, too, we do tend to be very uncritical of the president. Heinrich, I'll, I'll give you the last word. Uh, what other stories are, are, are you thinking about as you head into the next week? I think, Francis, we can expect to see more SOE troubles um, in the coming week and hopefully that the troubles will be solved and hopefully we will get more clarity on what the plans are with regards to ESCOM, for instance. On the one hand, we hear that the unbundling is, is off the hook, and then we hear from Pravin Gordon, no, 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 it's actually continuing. So there are these mixed messages from government. I hope that will be clarified for once and for all. And then obviously, we will um, focus on the Zondo Commission and, sad as it may be, um, uncover more of what went wrong during the Zuma years. All right. Uh, thank you both so much for your time. Yes, interestingly enough, the unbundling not even mentioned in the actual Sona speech. Uh, but thank you. Uh, looking back and looking ahead. And uh, that was Deputy Editor at The Citizen, Brendan Seary, and columnist for Sunday Paper Report and Cape Town Daily, De Berger, Heinrich Weinhardt. This is the beautiful game, despite an outcome that might lead to tears and disappointment for the losing side. AFCON 2019 remains Africa's beautiful story. Emotions will run high between South Africa and Morocco at the Al Sam Cairo Stadium when the two nations meet in a make-or-break clash. Catch the third and final Group D battle between Bafana Bafana and the Atlas Lions this Monday at 6 p.m. Live on SABC3 and your favorite SABC radio station. SABC is the official broadcaster of AFCON 2019, Africa's beautiful story. As darkness closes in on a Sunday evening, gather the family and tune into Safari Live for a joyful celebration of African wildlife. Come on an adventure with us through the dry winter woodlands of the Lofelt and the verdant plains of Kenya's Masai Mara. Jump aboard the world's largest safari vehicle and ask your guides questions in real time using the hashtag Safari Live. We can't wait to see you this Sunday evening at 6.30pm only on SABC3.
Hashtag SAFM Weekend View. Great to have you with us on the Weekend View. I'm Frances Hood, standing in for Elvis Preslin. And we were talking gender earlier. Gender leaks are releasing this audit report about the elections, saying the ANC is getting closer to its own targets, our own quota of 50-50 female and, and male, but important deviations. And sadly, uh, the, the media voices, uh, those commenting on the politics around the elections, overwhelmingly men and we asked you to be brave and give us your experiences your views as males or females um, looking at gender and everybody has such different experiences especially I think in a country like South Africa depending on on how often you mix with women uh, how uh, you see them in business let's chat to Mike now he's on the line from Cape Town Mike good morning to you yeah, hi, good morning, Francis. Yes, and to answer your question, I think if you're knee-deep in sewage, I don't think you really care whether the entire municipality is run by uh, uh, so-called white people or so-called black people or colored or, or female, male or female. I think the trouble is one of the things we've missed in our country in the story and the shocking outcomes of the mismanagement of the municipality is two things. First of all, it's cadre deployment by the ANC, which continues to be their policy. And then the second thing is that they're now playing this thing about we must have more uh, females or balance it out or whatever. What absolute nonsense. The fact of the matter is, Francis, is that we need to have the services and we need to have the best people. I mean, I would not be shocked, nor would I care, if the entire municipality was run by white females or black females. All I want to know is that when I, when I walk down the street, I'm not be deep in somebody else's sewage. And just on the comment on the news side of things, I am appalled really by the uh, shocking figures that have come out by the, uh, on the municipalities, but I'm also not surprised because that is also a factor of cardio deployment. It's putting the wrong people in the job, simply because of the color of their skin or the fact that they're friends with the mayor. So that is also got to go. And also, sadly, on the good news front, yes, you, they, they did change the water valve up in Joburg, and it was great news. But here in the Western Cape, we've been run by the DA now for something like 10 years, and that would not be a story in the Western Cape. And so SAFM did not celebrate the fact that the DA did extremely well in these, as you know, 12 of 18 municipalities that actually performed were all DA run, and we've been, ANC's been given, uh, sorry, the DA's been given, really no credit at all by SAFM on this matter, and really should be broadcast far and wide. There is good news in our country, but the SAFM sadly doesn't seem to want the rest of the population to hear it. Thanks very much, Walter. All right, all right, Mike, thank you for your comments. Um, I, I really do think the story there is that the, it's just a drop in the ocean. 18 out of more than 250 municipalities receiving those clean audit. So, so yes, focusing on the bad news because service delivery is so important. Um, and Mike, I wish you uh, had listened to our interview yesterday uh, with Selga, the local government organization and uh, the audit supporter, uh, the, the person trying to help those auditors in various municipalities, saying that yes, CADA deployment is an issue. There, there are politically minded people in technocratic uh, positions but it's it's not uh, the main problem you know there are structures maybe we're talking about 
pay, um, especially in the smaller outlying municipalities, uh, just not attracting the skills that are needed in those municipalities. Anyway, thank you for engaging and and thank you for sending your SMSs. Let's look at some of those. Uh, Somebody says, inequality, a lesser problem today than simply a lack of integrity and abusive, aggressive behavior from both sexes, females supporting patriarchy. And we know that that is uh, sometimes the case. Good day, Francis. Oh, yes, I'm impressed with the way women empowerment is shaping up in South Africa. Last week, I attended a biodiversity program. I'm impressed by the way DEAs, uh, the Department of Environment, Environmental Affairs uh, has put young women at the helm of the ship to lead transformation. So that's that's a good one to receive this morning. Um, morning, Francis. I feel so sad for that brave security guard in Woodmead. May his soul rest in peace and may the perpetrators be swiftly caught and rot in hell. Uh, that's uh, from Fiona commenting on one of the news stories this morning. Thank you. Keep those comments coming. Miles Apart, Miles Together, a brand new show that reunites you with your loved one. SABC3 is looking for you to be part of this amazing new reality show. You can enter in two ways. Send us a video explaining who you would like to surprise by bringing a loved one from overseas. Or you can send us a video about a family or close friends event you would like to go to in South Africa to surprise a loved one. Who knows? Miles apart, miles together could arrange these surprises for you. To enter, send your video via WhatsApp to 060-642-9257. That is 060-642-9257. Miles apart, miles together. Reuniting loved ones. Brought to you by SABC3. In a world where the noises of disruption are getting louder, your survival and relevance will require agility. Mancosa, Southern Africa's leading private higher educational institution, has empowered thousands of alumni for over 23 years by providing quality and affordable education. Register now and remain relevant. Mancosa is a proud member of Honoris United Universities. Dream it. We'll take you there. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 106.2 FM in Dohoyandong. Let's look at the VBS fallout that continues. Ordinary VBS depositors who are mainly villagers from the rural Limpopo's Bembe district who saved all her savings into the now liquidated VBS mutual bank uh, are worried that this week's Auditor General report, which indicated that over a billion rand invested in the bank by some municipalities, is highly unlikely to be recovered. The bank closed uh, shop last year after two billion rand was allegedly looted by some business people working with politicians. Despite the report by the South African Reserve Bank implicating some politicians, no one has been arrested. Only some municipal officials have been suspended. A reporter, Rudzani Chivatse, has more. Joyce Chaoke, not her real name for fear of victimization, had invested 500,000 rand in VBS. When news broke out last year that the bank was running short of money, she went to withdraw some of her money. Then the South African Reserve Bank announced that the depositors with more than 100,000 rand in savings could only withdraw 100,000 rand at NetBank. 
Her pain worsened on Wednesday when the Auditor General's report indicated that all the money invested in the VBS is unlikely to be recovered. She is also worried that almost one year since the bank shut down, no one has been arrested and the depositors have not yet been paid all their money. I'm not happy at all because those people who looted the bank are rich and well-known, but there's not an action taken against them. What is government saying about our plight? No one is telling us if we're still going to get the rest of our money back. I'm a single mother who's looking after children, and I'm taking them to school. I had saved money, but criminals came and took it all. The funny part of it is that the money was looted by politicians who are leaders in the country. One of the municipalities which allegedly invested 300 million rand in the VBS is the Wembe District Municipality. The Auditor General's report indicated that the money could have been used for infrastructure development in the area. The former executive mayor, Florence Razilani, who was implicated in the Reserve Bank's report, is now a member of the provincial legislature. Some residents in the Makado local municipality say they lack water and proper roads. The Makado municipality invested 60 million rand with the VBS. <laughs> And We lack proper roads around Modumbija and the municipality is failing to construct streets. Vehicles are getting damaged by potholes. There is no effective water reticulation process around Modumbija and the communal taps infrastructure are damaged because there is no water coming out. Lack of drinking water is one of the worst things in life. I come from Haravere and we lack water and Ephraim Mohali local municipality in the Skukuni district also invested 84 million rand with the bank. The municipality is taking the disciplinary committee report against the suspended municipal manager who was allegedly involved in the VBS investment scandal on review on the labor court. The report recommends that the municipal manager Monica Matevele should have three months salary deducted and attend a management course before continuing with her duties. Opposition parties argue that the punishment is too light. Mayor Malau Dimutongwane says they want a second opinion. The from the presiding officer was that the employee be suspended without pay for a period of three months. Secondly, that the employee be ordered to attend short courses in management, investment and finance. As such, the Council of Ephraim resolved that matter be reviewed in Labour Court as a second opinion. Spokesperson of Limpopo Premier Sten Matabata, Ken Matiba, says all the cases regarding the alleged VBS looting have been referred to the law enforcement agencies. One of the issues that made us to digress is the issue of VBS, of which most of the monies that are there haven't of necessity been recovered as yet. Our cases are with the hope and we hope they will make a determination. We know at the upper level they've already made serious charges. But the main thing is that because of our being a rural province, you are unable to attract a CA somewhere in Collins Chavani, somewhere in the most rural places of Skokuni. The Collins Chavani local municipality invested 120 million rand with the VBS. The local mayor, Joyce Bila, has since been recalled by her political party. All 27 municipalities in the province failed to obtain clean audit for the 2017-2018 financial year. I'm Ruzan Chivase, SABC Radio News, 
Pulukwane in Limpopo. And I'm Francis Hurd, and that was The Weekend View.